Welcome to the Growth Lab. I am Tej Singh, personal growth enthusiast, world traveler, sales professional on a spiritual journey to live my highest expression. This podcast is meant for individuals looking to evolve in all aspects of their lives. I interview leaders and coaches that have a passion to grow beyond the status quo and expand into their highest potential. Let's dive into it as we help you get 1% better with every episode. What's up, everyone? Excited to announce your guest for episode 17, Derek Cahill. Derek is a husband, father, and serial entrepreneur. He currently serves as a vice president of sales at a global technology firm, co-hosts a personal development podcast called Perpenthicity, and he's also the co-founder of Wicked Bull Chocolate. Derek leverages his challenging background as a platform to help others achieve greatness despite their circumstances. In this episode, we cover how Derek's childhood has impacted who he's become today, pivoting from a victim state to taking ownership in life, moving from consuming content to taking action, Derek's journey in entrepreneurship and building different businesses, and most recently, Wicked Bold Chocolate. Personally, I know Derek from working together at the same company and collaborating on his podcast, Perpenthicity, where he's a co-host with Austin Walker, who's also been on the show. I love this episode with Derek because it's super authentic and really inspirational to see Derek take ownership of his life despite the circumstances he was dealt and taking action towards his vision in the future. So let's dive right in. Derek, thank you for joining the Growth Lab. Good morning, sir. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Derek, you and I were talking about this a little bit prior to us starting. I think a good starting point for us today is, is, is really, you have an interesting uh, childhood and, and, you know, where you've gotten to today, right? There's so much that's happened in the past. So why don't we start there? Why don't you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and uh, your, your childhood and how you've become the person that you've become today? Yeah, uh, an interesting childhood, one's way to put it, for sure. Um, I, I think the best way to kick off is a quote that I think captures where I came from, but also helped me dictate where I was going to go. And it's a quote that I started saying almost every day from 20 on was, I will not be a product of my environment. My environment will be a product of me. Hmm. Um, And at first that was just a saying that I'd say it sounded good. But when I look at what I've created in my life now at 32 years old, um, I have created my environment. It is a product of me. I am not a product of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a really cool journey that's taken a very long time. So I'll do my best to kind of like pull out the specific moments that I think made me who I was. Um, but for anyone listening that might be like in the thick of that journey or at the beginning of that journey, it takes time and commitment and discipline in order to get to where you ultimately want to go. This isn't an overnight, no, no quick wins in this one. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's to go through, but, um, all that said, man, um, I grew up in a pretty, uh, dim environment, I think is one way I could put it. Um, my mom and dad were both like the black sheep of their own respective families. Um, when I was growing up, they both, you know, were unfortunately involved in drugs and, and alcohol abuse, drug abuse, et cetera. So, um, growing up, there was a lot of turmoil and a lot of things that like now at 32, I'm realizing like I'm working through in regard to like my safety mechanisms and what I'm willing to let be around me. Um, but I grew up in Boston and, uh, you know, my mom and dad were great. Like 
good loving household for the most part, but just not a role model type household. Like I didn't learn anything about being a grown up from the way I grew up. I grew up um, where there was a lot of yelling, a lot of like mental health issues. And, uh, you know, I learned at a really young age, dude, that like I had to own me. I had to, and I didn't know back then. I didn't know that I had to own myself back then. I just, <laughs> looking back, it's like, oh, well, shit, like you had to, you had to own it. So, I mean, a few like milestone periods in my life, man, were like uh, 13 years old in ninth grade. I finished ninth grade with like five, five credits going towards like graduating ninth grade because my mom had gotten sick um, and my dad wasn't there for, you know, to push anyone to go do anything. So I, I passed gym and I passed art. That was it. All my main classes I didn't pass. Um, and for the rest of my high school, I was always taking like summer school or night classes to catch up. And I almost dropped out of school when I was like 17. And I remember, I still remember like vividly, man. And this is the kind of stuff that like as a parent now, I'm like, what the, what? <laughs> but I remember I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, I think I'm going to drop out and just get my GED. She said to me, she was like, well, if that's what you want. Fortunately, something else kicked in and I just freaking finished high school. Um, but like, that's the kind of environment I grew up in. Like there was no pushing, no challenging to get better. Um, which is like the opposite categorization of me. Mm. And, you know, I, I wish I could say it got better in the short term from there, but I actually still kind of went off this like odd trail of like finding who I am by just trial and error, which, you know, I think if, if I today was, not me if I was addicted to drugs or anything like that I think people would say like well yeah I can see that you know you know look how we grew up so I find myself to be like the exception to the rule but I think based on the fact that I had to take critical ownership of like where I had to be and like I, I sought to grow myself and get bigger but I mean I was following that path a little bit man from 18 19 20 21 I was drinking a lot like abusing alcohol for sure doing really dumb things I tell my wife some stories of my background. She's like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Like what? I told her a story today. Um, I was like 15, 16 years old. Me and my friends, um, I don't know, we were probably smoking weed and drove to McDonald's and we jumped out of the car and stole a chair, ran in, stole a chair and put it in the back of the truck and drove away. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's those kind of stories. Like I never did anything like malicious, but it was like those mischievous like bullshit little things that like, I just didn't know my direction in life. So I kind of just like went with the flow. Um, but I remember being like my pivotal moment, like where I think I started separating from that life was probably like 20, 22, 23 years old. And I had a son with a relationship with a, with a woman that was not a good fit for me from like a growth or mental health perspective. And I vividly remember I had like $9 left to my name. I had lost a job didn't have another job lined up. I had terrible credit because I didn't know how to use credit. So I ruined it. And I went to the grocery store and I bought myself a steak and a potato. This is the only money I had. And I just sat down and I was like, more or less, I was like, fuck it. Like, what are you doing? What, the, what are you doing? And uh, it was kind of that collection of thoughts where I, I, have, I ultimately pulled the trigger and I like, like swallowed my pride and moved in with a really good buddy of mine and his wife and their kids. And I took my son and, and went and lived there. But it was this like super humbling moment where I found myself surrounded by people that were who I wanted to be. Like they had a great relationship, a great family. They had a great house. Um, you know, like they had a little bit of property that they lived on and it was everything I wanted and pushing myself into that environment, like pulling the trigger, owning my own outcomes. Um, 
that I still to this day, man, like if, if, I swear, if I'm ever like a super billionaire, like I'm going to take it back, Ryan and Amanda Bojo, dude, like they changed my life for sure. Um, by just being those people there for me. But it's been this really long journey of just going through these ebbs and flows of like victim mindset, victim mentality, or the latter of when do you step up? Mm-hmm. When do you step up and start the decisions that you're making? You know, I think the final story I'll share with you just to kind of like round that one out, Tej, is um, I told you like I didn't know how to manage credit or finances. And I found myself in a position where I had a bunch of outstanding debts. And rather than looking in the mirror at the person that caused that problem, I blamed my family for not helping me get out of it. Mm-hmm. I blamed my grandmother and my, you know, my aunts, my uncles. I would always, you know, I was always like the poor, oh, woe is me. If they would just give me some money, I could pay off those debts and be fine. And that was like my mindset back then in my early 20s. Like it was always someone else's responsibility to come and save me. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell you exactly like what happened to get that mindset radically on the other side where it's like, no, Derek, you save yourself, my man. Like no one's going to come rescue you. Um, But because I didn't have those strong role models, what I leaned to is like YouTube, which is so crazy to say, but like Eric Thomas, Les Brown, um, those kinds of motivational speakers became my mentors. And I think over literally years, Tej, of listening to these people scream in my ear that you are the one you're going to make it happen. Um, I think I started believing it and yeah. like my whole mindset shifted dude for real. Like my whole mindset has shifted over the last 10, 11, 12 years where I feel in such control of my own decisions and my own destiny, my own life, which is so comforting. Yeah. Um, hopefully that, that was super long winded. I'm going to, I think I'm going to tail that one off there. <laughs> no, no, that's beautiful. I appreciate you mentioning all of that, right? Just, just, you know, from your childhood to, to who you're becoming now. And I guess we can, you know, dig into some of those specific parts, but the key thread that I, you know, picked up on all of that was really ownership, right? And then also finding yourself in the process of the circumstances that you're dealing with and that pivot from being a victim of life to owning life and saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to run life. Life's not going to run me, right? That shift happening. Now you did say, you know, that, that there you can't just pinpoint a specific point where you went from victim to owner. Uh, but now looking back at life, if somebody's going through that, right? Because I think that's, especially in the personal growth game or just overall becoming a better person in life, that's such a big pivot to be had, right? Like from not being a victim to say like, you know, blaming other people for your circumstances saying, you know what? Like I'm going to take complete fucking ownership of my life, everything, you know, everything that happens. So how would you, how would you recommend to someone, right? Um, if, if they're kind of in that state of, of blaming other things or in a victim mindset to kind of move into that ownership? Good Jesus, man. That's a million dollar question. <laughs> um, it's, it, I'll say it again. It's a journey yeah. and it's a, it's a, a huge journey that are made up of a bunch of little steps because there isn't one trigger. You can't just look in the mirror and say, I'm done. I mean, you, that can be maybe the start, But then it's a bunch of little tiny steps because you have to remember the reason you feel like a victim is because obviously shit keeps happening to you. And every time those kind of things drum up, instead of looking external, it's looking internal, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I don't know if this example will resonate, but it's like a lot of it comes down to the people you surround yourself with, right? Like I can imagine 1 million percent, there's probably people sitting in jail right now that are blaming their boyfriend for having the drugs on him when they got pulled over. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it wasn't me. 
it wasn't me, it was Bill or it was Karen. Like they did that to me. And it's like, no, you're putting yourself into situations that are bound to lose. Mm -hmm. You're stacking the deck against you. And it's one of the hardest things to change is who you surround yourself by because it involves cutting out that comfortable feeling of like, we're both struggling. We're both in shitty situations. But when you, when you lean on someone that isn't pushing themselves to be great, you're doubling your chances of falling. Mm. The strangest place ever taught me this really weird lesson. It was when I was selling Verizon cell phones and I was in training up in Tampa and one of the trainers got up on a, um, got up on the counter and had a, and had a guy, she was like, I need a volunteer. A guy walked up right in front of her on the ground. She's on the counter. And she's like, I'm going to pull you up. I don't want you to try to come up though. I'm just going to pull you up. She grabs his hand and she starts pulling. And obviously this dude's not going anywhere. He's like a 180 pound man. And she's maybe like a hundred pounds. So she's not going anywhere. And then she flips it and she goes, pull me down. And he gives her a little tug and she comes tumbling down. And she was like, that's how easy it is. You cannot pull people up with you, but it is so easy to be pulled down to where they want you to be. So I think a lot of people, that's where they need to start is observing who do they give their time and energy to and who are they surrounded by? And what I'll, what I'll bookmark on that as well, and because this is a personal situation, if you look around and you don't find yourself to be surrounded by the people that you either look up to, want to be, or will push you to be great, you've got to go find those resources somewhere else. So for me, it was YouTube videos. Like it sounds so corny to you, but seriously, like I've been in cars, at, I've been in my car at like a red light screaming that stuff back. Like seriously, man, like to the point where I like, I get myself in tears, like imagining where I want to be and hearing these people yelling at me, but it has to come down to that fundamental, like that first step of like assess that landscape. And am I around the people that are going to get me to where my version 2.0 is? Yeah, absolutely. And that's so beautiful, right? Because it's, the last piece that you just mentioned is if you don't, you can't find that around you, right? You can't find it in your environment, go seek it, right? Go look, look out for it. Uh, and I love that example of the YouTube, YouTube videos. And I, I, I mean, I, yeah, a lot, I, I did too. A lot of people start off at that. That's sort of the end, right? Yeah. Where, where you can kind of, what you consume, you become, right? So it's like the people that you surround yourself with, to your point, Derek, and then also you know, what you're consuming mentally, right? Like there's such a focus in, yeah. our, in, our, in our society about what we eat, right? Like that's become commonplace. Like, hey, what you eat, you're going to become, right? If you want to be healthy, you got to eat healthy. That's becoming very common norm. But what we consume mentally, right? As far as like the content, oh, yeah. the content that we're taking in, it's not so widespread to say, okay, you shouldn't watch news all day. You shouldn't read all these news articles. You know, you shouldn't watch these, you know, sit on Netflix binge all day. It's nothing wrong with that. But it's like the content that you're taking in, you're becoming that too. So, so that's a perfect example of, you know, how you started to shift. So the question that comes to me, Derek, is, you know, when you first were consuming a lot of the content, when did it start to become action, right? So you were, you were taking in a lot of the, the YouTube content, started to take change in your perspective. So what was the pivot from you consuming content to then actually taking action on it? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd put that back to, and I don't know if it was like, obviously like perfectly lined up, but I think it comes down to that decision I made in my life to leave that toxic relationship that I had and go move in into a bedroom with my son, with a family friend of ours. Yeah. That, I think that kind of like made the, you know, whatever connections up in my brain start sticky that said like, oh, you can control your life. Because dude, look, it's so, it would have been so easy for me mm. to live in that comfort zone of like, 
oh, well, I'll just stay here. Um, it, it, oh, this is all I have. Cause I didn't have any family down here. It was literally, I was alone in the sense of like, I didn't have any brothers, sisters, moms, dads, like I'm not from Florida. This was, I, I moved to Florida from Boston and then my family moved away and I stayed. So like, it would have been such an easy and again, explainable scenario. That's like, where was I going to go? I didn't have any money. But when I just stepped up and made that decision of like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And moved out and went to live with those people, man. I think it just, it did something in my brain that even though I didn't see it right away, it literally, like, I'll, I'll walk you quickly through like what happened after I did that. Yeah. I was 23, 24, maybe moved out and I lived with them for maybe like six to eight months. I worked, saved money. After that eight month period, I'd saved up enough money. I went and got my first apartment, my only apartment I've ever lived in by myself that I was, I was bankrolling. I was funding it. Um, eight or nine months after I lived in that apartment by myself, I met my now wife, Brooklyn. And then shortly after that, I started my own company. Shortly after that, I got recruited to go work at Gartner. Right. And now another four or five years has gone by. And it's like this consistent level up of like stemming from that one decision I took to, to take action in my life. Mm. And now the world is my oyster. And like, I believe it. Coupled, coupled to the fact that I still listen to that good content, but now what else? But now I produce that content for people. <laughs> so yeah. it's like I was the student, and now I get to be the teacher a little bit. Um, but I think it has to start with getting your mind right, like starting to become a little bit more self-aware of like the situations you're putting yourself in, what your con what content you're consuming, who you're allowing to listen, who you're allowing yourself to listen to. Um, there's an, another quote. I'm a huge quote guy. Love it. There's a, there's one more that like I'm just starting to now like really really resonate, but it's um, don't take advice from people or, or don't take criticism from people that you wouldn't ask advice for hmm. from because it starts like even that man allows you to like not allow toxic negativity into your mind when you're late when you're able to like put a little bit of blockers in there that says like all right I mean they're entitled to their opinion but like go fuck yourselves <laughs> like I don't want to it's not you're not for me yeah yeah and it, you know it's, it's it's so interesting that pivot point right so sometimes I think I've, when I've spoken with people, there's different, different pivot points that happen. Sometimes this little burn to come to the realization, yeah. like this shit needs to change, but that's beautiful that it happened over a steak and potatoes for you. And <laughs> that, that shift happened yeah. <laughs> and that shift happened. And then you just, you know, and, and obviously to your point, you know, emphasizing that it's a journey, right? It's not, it wasn't overnight, but that was something happened that day. That you said, okay, I'm going to change the the trajectory of my life. This isn't. This is where I'm going to add. And sometimes, you know, that bottom looks different for people, right? And it's like that was that was your 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 kind of move forward point. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I suppose when you started to like you said you started your company, you met your wife, and then you you know started working at Gartner. How did you start to like bring about those opportunities? Was it just you know just propel the momentum that you started to gain? Was it, you know, just the mindset that you took to every day? Like, what was it that allowed you to see all these opportunities and take action on them? Yeah, I, I wish I could define that, man. Yeah. Um, again, I'll use quote, motion causes motion, right? I'm a, I'm a like almost a, an insane believer of the universe yeah. where it's like what you put out there, you will receive back whatever like wavelengths you're putting out there is like what you'll be welcomed by. So when I quit Verizon and started my own company, that was massive motion. I was making a huge universal statement that said like, nah, I'm the one. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, be, and I'm being serious, man. Like it's crazy to, it's crazy to set back like where I am today and set back like all the, the Steve Jobs quote, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. It's wild when I turn around and I can look backwards yeah. because if I didn't quit Verizon to start my company, I would have never created a LinkedIn. And that's exactly how I got recruited to go join Gartner. So if I hadn't put myself out there and started presenting myself as a professional on LinkedIn, I would have never made that move. I would have never been even on Gartner's radar. I was just some, I was slinging cell phones, dude, yeah. making okay <laughs> money, right? I was making decent money for like early twenties, but that's what I would have become. And I would have jumped around from little, I would have never, oh, that's a strong word. Not never. My journey would have taken me in a, many different directions. Who knows where I'd be today. But if I hadn't quit that job and put that motion out there that said, start looking at me in a different way, I wouldn't have gotten noticed by that new recruiter that joined Gartner that saw me on LinkedIn in the local area and said, Hey, do you want to interview for Gartner? Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. I think it's like, it's not any one thing that started to keep that. It was all the same piece. It was all the same thing. The same, that one layer of ownership created so many layers of ripples mm. that I'm just riding the waves, man. It's like, <laughs> it's, at this point, it's like, I'm just looking for the next wave that I know is coming from that original ripple as I'm making new ripples as I'm going. Yeah. See, yeah. that's how, see how crazy yeah. does that sound? <laughs> but that's also why it's so important to me that I get on platforms and I'm able to share my full story. Because if, if you've only known me for the last four years, you've always known the driven, successful, motivating Derek. And that's not who I've always been. I used to be an idiot. I used to be someone that had no idea what his goals were in life. I had no idea what life and happiness meant. But in seven, seven or eight short years, maybe long, maybe nine, 10 like years, dude, it's crazy to look at those two different human beings that exist on both ends of that decade. And I, you know, it, it comes down to what we've already talked about. Just like, believing in yourself enough to know that you're worth more, hmm. but then having the courage and commitment to yourself to know that it's going to take a long time, a series of, it's just a series of small steps that get you to where you want to go. There's no one big jump you can take. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, damn, I have a toxic ass relationship. I should leave. And then you don't leave it. All you're doing is delaying that gratification that you'll get in five years from now. It's going to be the next five years for you. Yeah. Like you've got to start making those decisions. If you want to start changing your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like to think of it as compound interest in the same way, um, you know, that you would in a, in a bank account, but more so in your life, right? It, it, it compounds yep. and, it, and it increases over time. And I love that example of, you know, the ripples and then going into the waves, right? You just kind of like, they just keep getting bigger. Yep. <laughs> you know, as, Dude, as you, I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so nice when you when you kind of take it that way, right? You look at it that way because then you, you know, and the reason I asked that question too, like how did you see those opportunities is when, you're, when your eyes are open and you're riding this wave and you're riding this momentum, things just start to open up, right? Because there's one thing of actually identifying and then the second thing of taking action, right? So you're able to do both of those things as you move on. Now you talked about your company a couple of times. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, that company, and what it looks like today. And then we can talk about some of the other elements, but uh, let's, let's, let's start there. Yeah. That company is no longer in existence. That was maybe like, I'd started a few companies before that one, but never like quit my job kind of business. Like I'd started some side hustles. Like I did car detailing and a couple things like that. Yeah. But this one, this was, I'm going to use the word woke. Yeah. This was like my first venture where I felt like woke to myself that I was willing to take a bet on me. So I'd worked at Verizon for four years, four plus years, or maybe a little under four years, but a long, my longest job ever. And um, 
I had actually done some like entrepreneurial things at that company. I had started talking to like Lyft and this now defunct social media app called Hey Let's. Like, and all these start, all these tech startups that were building apps, I, I rallied them together and I was trying to build a platform where they could sell a bundle of apps in the Verizon stores. So like preload onto phones or like the associates will preload these apps to get them the user count to go up. Um, and then they'd give us some backend pay for like those user counts going up. And I worked on that for like two months and I was like, this was the first time that I'd ever escalated beyond like my own people. Like I was talking to the COO of this Verizon retailer and they were like $3 billion, $2 billion a year company. I was like, Oh my God. And like these companies getting millions from venture capital. It didn't work. It didn't work out. Um, but the, the reckoning for me is like, as a quick side point, like it's about those ripples that you're talking about. I can see them now. And I know what they mean to me. Like if I'm at the bottom of something, like I, I just feel that better now. It's not my normal to feel shitty. If I feel shitty about something, I mean, it means that I'm done. It means that something internally to me, I'm ready to move on. It's time for the next thing. So I can see that all better now versus when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. If something bad happened, I was like, oh, it's just my life. Like, this is just what I get. So after that didn't work out, um, the leadership within this Verizon retailer, like I didn't exist to them anymore. Like they didn't. All I needed was like a, Hey man, thanks. Hey dude. Wow. That was really cool. Like, let's talk about your future. And it was just crickets. Like they wouldn't even respond to my emails anymore. And I was like, well, I'm done. Cause I didn't feel valued anymore. So I noticed a trend at the Verizon stores that customer service was like a huge crux for everyone that worked there. No one wanted to do customer service, but a lot of older people wanted to come in and get help. So I quit and started a company to take that away from the Verizon reps and gave them a platform to sell tech support for like, nanas and grampies and stuff like hey <laughs> how do you use your email on a phone and um it was like my first big win man and it's funny because it's such a little win but i did it for about a year and a half and i had uh i was for sale like zimni tech support was the name of it was for sale in uh i think eight or nine local verizon stores we had i think four or five local you break i fix stores uh phone repair where you could go in there and i was like on the shelf and it was 99 bucks and people could buy it and they were slinging it. So it was like really cool. And it was um, not necessarily a huge financial success, but it was a huge like mindset success to be like, oh, damn, like you started that. Derek Cahill, you started that and you're for sale in like 15 local stores. And that kind of like success that I experienced, even though it was really small, it was like another moment where motion caused motion. And I started another wave of ripples that I'm still feeling to this day of like, I'm telling you right now, Tej, like, I feel like I could start anything I want. Yeah. <laughs> anything. Give me, as long as I'm interested in it and I'm passionate about it, I'll start it. I'll start a rocket company tomorrow. Yeah. Obviously it's a little bit more <laughs> capital intensive, but it's like, I'm not afraid of failure in the macro sense. I'm afraid sometimes still of like the short term pieces of failure, like income, lifestyle. Like those are things like I'm still like a human. I'm still kind of like trying to challenge myself to get out of those things. I'm not a machine. I still get very scared and nervous and in my own head, but I love that. I can recognize that now and challenge myself to get through it. Um, but that was one of the greatest experiences of my life, dude, was starting that company. And I felt independent. I felt poor. Um, it was a really good story. Like I, three months after I started that company, we had to sublet our apartment, go move into a bedroom in Brooklyn's mom's house. Keeping in mind, my, my fiance at the time was six months pregnant and we slept on an air mattress for like three <laughs> or four months until we were able to get back into our apartment. So 
it was just a lot of risk all all entwined to that one company. But like I said, if I didn't do that, it was just one part of my journey because my yeah. next step was getting recruited into a big corporation like Gartner. And yeah. I sort of, I blossomed in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's so interesting. One of the things that you said was, you know, that decision, that pivot point gave you so much confidence even until today, right? Like it's, those things are so important. Like I, I think back to, uh, you know, when I left, uh, I, you know, I'm back at Gartner, but when I was there before I like left for the trip, uh, to travel and just kind of follow my own heart, something that I wanted yeah. to do that actual leap, the decision itself, you know, beyond what happened on the trip, but just making that decision was so big, right? Like knowing that I could do that, and I had the confidence for me to know that I would come out fine on the other end, you know, shifted my whole perspective on life and what I can do in life. So, you know, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit as, as you, as you mentioned that piece. Now I see that you're, you know, just who you are. And even in, you know, talking to you in previous to this, you're an entrepreneur at heart, right? Like that's, that's how you work and you want to create things in life. And I like to ask the question about just entrepreneurship and also you're a leader. So like, how do you see entrepreneurship? Like from, from your perspective, right? Like what is that? And I would call it an art, right? Entrepreneurship is an art as well. How do you, how do you see that? How do you see it? Yeah. Um, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it is man. Like it's, it's, uh, it's such an ambiguous and stressful and rewarding adventure that you always get to go take. Um, but I couldn't do my life without that part of me, Mm. right? Like I am, I'm born to create and build. Like I can go back to being like 13 playing video games online. And it wasn't until like, I realized I'm an entrepreneur that I go back even that far, but I always wanted to be the leader of the teams. I was always making my own teams. Instead of joining teams, I build my own teams because I thought I could do it better. And I think that's ultimately where it comes down for me. And it's probably wickedly egotistical, (laughs) but I always feel like I could do things better than what already exists. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, all right, let's go do it. Let's just go get it done. And it's that craziness that exists in my head that gives me the confidence to keep going out there and trying it. But it's also the process like, obviously, I have big goals, man, like big goals. And it's really, it's funny. The side effect of these goals is what would be monetary. I'm, I'm really not so, fo- like, I, I live in a house right now in Flower Mound that I'm good with. Like, if I was a millionaire, a billionaire, like, I wouldn't go buy, like, a compound. Like, I like my house. Um, so, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not after, like, the Lambos and the mansions. But it's the process for me. Like, I'm so addicted to building something that's going to win that I just never stop, right? Like it's not about the thing. It's about the journey that I'm on to build a company that wins and wins like a mother. Like that's what I'm trying to do. So like right now it's chocolate. A few years ago, it was a tech support company. A few years before that, it was, um, you know, car detailing. I have notes on my phone about apps. It's like, I, I've covered the gamut, dude. Like, give, I've done it all. Like, you know, I've, I've done it. Um, so it's just this excitement of like building and seeing followership start coming and failing over and over and over and over again. Like putting three hours into researching a company to finally stumble on a Google link that someone's already doing it. It's like, oh, you son of a bitch. You know, and, and it's like, even in that moment, do I want to put the effort in to go build it again and do better? Or am I going to, do I have enough ideas to just keep going and building? But 
for me, it's like, if you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's of course, like you have, you have dreams to be bigger than you are today, but it's also just this obsession with proving to yourself that you can do it. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm after is like, can you do it? And every year that goes by that I haven't done it yet, I get more addicted to doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the process piece is so beautiful, right? Because when you focus on that rather than the outcome, you know, you're just kind of consistently getting pulled towards that, right? There's no one outcome that's going to make you happy. So you, the, the goals keep getting bigger. And also, you know, I, I, when you, when you were talking through that, like what was coming up for me was, you know, who will Derek have to become to meet that big goal, right? Like that grand goal. Yeah. And that's, that's the beautiful part of, of transformation the and the journey is that you're going to have to step up and become some, someone else to able to match that crazy goal outcome. Right. And, and, and but that's part of the journey. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's what makes it so rewarding, dude. It's like, if my chocolate company tomorrow got $3 million in orders, I'd go out of business. Yeah. Cause I'd have no idea really what, like, could I figure it out? Maybe, but I'd be shitty. I'd be shitty at figuring it out. So it's like, it, it's, it's, you have to be really good at celebrating the small wins as an entrepreneur. Cause if you don't, you literally will probably, get like manic depressive because it's it can if you're only looking at the bottom line and the big number dude it doesn't come that quickly Mm -hmm. right like if i look at our packaging and and the journey we've been on in the last year it's been just a series of selling and thinking it's hella cool and we get like a tiny win like i remember like the first exciting thing for us is when we made our chocolate snap when we were still making the bars because when it snaps means that you did it right like you Mm -hmm. made the chocolate right and before that it would just kind of crumble apart because we didn't do it right the moment it snapped, we went online, I bought the domain name, uh, started building a logo, and we ordered like a, this really shanty first version of a box for ourselves. And when I look at the packaging we have now, it's like, it looks like it could be on freaking Whole Foods, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't have done that a year ago, yeah. right? I couldn't have done that. Even if I like wanted to spend the money back then, that was the other beautiful part, dude. I intentionally bootstrapped this like as little money as possible, let's see what we can build. And slowly but surely, like we've invested more and more, but as the proof has come in that says we should invest more and more. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, that's one of the, like the, the, the superpowers you need to have as an entrepreneur is being able to know when to fold them. Mm-hmm. Like not getting so fired up about an idea that you're willing to like crush the earth to get it done. Cause sometimes it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So that comes back to the process of being an entrepreneur if you have just one idea and you're chasing it to the ends of the earth, I don't necessarily know if that qualifies as an entrepreneur or, or like you're, you're addicted to that one idea. Entrepreneur in me is like, it doesn't matter what you're touching. You're going to build it and scale it and try to make it as big as possible. And if that one doesn't work, you know that there's just another one in line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you love the process, you'll be fine. And if you love that process of just, you know, building, and it's okay to fail and then kind of starting it again. Well, it's not okay to fail. But I mean, it you, is. If you do, you take it fine. <laughs> well, you just, you take it on the, yeah, you take it on the chin and, and you got to move on. But like, dude, I'm telling you, like, it's tragic. Yeah. Like, it's not fun to fail. It's like your but, baby. But it's fun to fail because of what it means. Yeah. Like, right. I'm never going to celebrate as I'm, oh yeah, we failed. <laughs> but it's like in every failure, there's something you can learn to get better at the next time. And then the next time you won't fail at that thing. Yeah. Now it's going to be, even if it's not a strength, it's at least something you're accustomed to. And it's about chasing the next, fa- like I'm obsessed with failing because it means that I get to add another skill to my tool belt. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I can fall down, stumble, break my knees on an idea, 
I get to walk away and learn something to make me better next time. It's yeah. the same concept. Motion. Boom. Yeah. Ripples. Yep. Ripples and waves. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, you're the newest version of your, and you were ch- talking about it, right? The cho- chocolate company. It's called Wicked Bold, right? Like that's the name of the company. That's yeah. the newest version of your venture, your entrepreneurship. Um, where did that idea come from? Like, where did it start from? Tell us a little bit about Wicked Bold and what's happening with that. That's a fun story. So uh, it actually is rooted in failure. <laughs> but, um, my wife loves chocolate and I would, you know, I'd always go to the store and get her some chocolate. But what she started seeing on the back of the packaging was like bullshit ingredients, like chem- like uh, artificial flavors or stabilizers to keep the chocolate uh, fresh for longer. Um, so me being an entrepreneur, her loving chocolate, we decided to start a family. Like we thought it'd be cool to start a family business. This was like five years ago, maybe, maybe even longer than that or four, four or five years ago. Um, we got beans online. We got like a little bag of beans and tried to make chocolate. And dude, looking back on it, it's like, where did we even find how to make chocolate back then? Like we didn't do it at all the right way, but it was trash. It was like the worst chocolate ever. I put (laughs) coffee grounds in it for some reason. I thought that would be good. I was trying to get like creative. Um, it was absolutely horrendous. And um, we actually put it away after that. We put the idea away because the machinery to make chocolate, even the minimum investment was like 400 bucks back then. We just didn't have it. So we put the chocolate idea for a while, uh, put it away for a while. And um, then I got hired at Gartner like six months to a year later. And for the first couple of years at Gartner, I was just focused on winning at Gartner. And I hadn't started a new business in those couple of years. My wife was making fun of me. She was telling me I was getting soft. Just tell me I was losing my edge. <laughs> um, so when we picked up and moved to Texas, um, this was a little over a year ago, like a year and four months ago, we were driving in the truck as we drove here and we just decided, we were like, let's do it. Let's get the machine. Let's make chocolate, let's start a chocolate company. And we did it. We just, just that like decision to just go and pull the trigger. It's like, all right, fine. I'm going to do it. I need to get back. I need to like unleash my creativity again. Um, and that, I mean, that's how it started just on that drive back to Texas. We had this idea that we had planted and put away for a little bit and we brought it back up and still thought it would be fun. And it took us like six months, four, four, four or five months to actually get the chocolate right. But when that shit snapped, dude, that was game on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it almost like that's a part of who you are, right? So when you're able to express that part in whatever it is, you kind of feel alive, right? Like it's like, that unleashing that creativity, as you mentioned. Um, It's the creativity and it's like the building something that I think can be bigger than me. Yeah. And also like, I'm not built. This is something I'm learning about myself over this journey is like, I'm not built to work for other people. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm just, it's not, it's not me. Like I, I get fired up to work with my people, but I'm not built to be an employee. I just don't get, what I need out of that. So wicked bold is like where I can transform myself into like it get, dude, one of the most, one of the best things you can give yourself is hope. Hmm. So when I look at wicked bold, it is like looking at a key to my, to my freedom. Right. And it's what drives me to keep going. Cause that's what I'm after, dude. Like I'm after, it's like, if I want to get up and not work on a Wednesday and a Thursday, because I want to take my kids somewhere, like that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. and if I want them to be able to do anything they want, like it's all about that unlocking that freedom for me to build and grow and inspire my people to go and do the same thing for themselves um, is where this comes from. For me, the creativity is good too. It gets me to like flex my brain, like amp myself up and learn things that I'm, that I'm not familiar with. 
Um, but it's also that sense of freedom that's at the, it's the same thing with perpendicity. Mm-hmm. And like, it's the same thing there. It's like, we're not making any money on that, but it's like that sense of like, I'm unlocking my brain on a weekly basis to just give and grow myself as a person. And I know to your point, that investment is going to compound over time. Mm-hmm. And in fi- who knows, dude, four or five, maybe it's going to take me 10 years, but I don't care because I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. You think about some of the stresses you have as a human, whether it's like financial career related relationship related wicked bold to me is my constant i control that mm-hmm. right that's my baby it's my wife's baby and it starts minimizing the stress that you get on the things that you can't control because it's like all right like i feel like i've grown so much now where it's like i know my skill level i know what i can deliver value to and if there are places that don't want to see the value i bring or, or or have it skewed like that's just not my problem i don't i just don't give a fuck it's like you have your views cool good for you <laughs> i know what i'm worth and i'm just gonna go get that somewhere else yeah. Whether that's wicked bold or whether that's, you know, doing like consulting work, et cetera, like that's where I'm at right now. And mm. it's just a powerful feeling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, again, going back to what we talked about earlier is taking ownership, right? Like yeah. this is coming full circle in some ways is again, you know, and it go as you're speaking and I'm, you know, kind of reflecting on it, it's like you go through different phases in life, right? Like, and you have to continue to take ownership and, and complacency will come no matter no matter what stage of life you're in, you know, there's going to come a point in Vicked Bold where you're going to grow it so much then you'll be like, shit, what's the next thing for us? Is this growing it even, you know, there's always that level of complacency or comfortness that comes in where we want to settle in. And then you got to take ownership again and say, okay, what's the, how do I, how do I step out of this? What's the bigger yeah. way for me to get out? And, and you've got to get yourself to that point to be able to see it. Cause you're, yeah. you're so spot on, man. Like I love what I'm doing with Wicked Bold right now. And I'd love to grow it into a, to a bigger company. And, and like right now, what I'm, what I'm excited for is to like with our new bags that we're getting done is like shelf ready. Like I want to walk into a Whole Foods and see, our, see us on the shelves. And this is where I think the dichotomy is interesting because I, when I think about seeing Wicked Bold on a shelf, money is not, it wasn't even a thought in my head. Like, oh, wow, we're monetarily successful. I want to look at that and be like, I fucking did it yeah look at that shit (laughs) look at what you did and it's like i need that for myself like i need to give my that's like the growth that i need to see for me is like that validation and it's also like something that you also need to get better at as a human like not needing that validation and not giving a shit what happens um so like that's that's kind of like where i've graduated to nowadays is like all right derek like you're starting to really see some of those indicators. You do it. You can do it. You walk the walk. You've talked, you talk the talk, you walk the walk, you're, you're it. So now it's about finding some mental stability in the fact that like, now you just keep going and not worry about what happens because mm-hmm. you're obviously good. Like you've got it. And I'm trying to break that of myself right now. A lot of what I do, like my first instinct is like, I wonder what someone, I wonder what you think of that. Was that good? You like that? You like that? And I need to stop doing that because like at the end of the day, I really don't give a shit. I'm in this for me and I'm yeah. in this for my family. If you don't like it, cool. Like, uh, fuck off. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I'll get the next one. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing of like where I've been able to grow to, right? You can't, yeah. I can't, I couldn't start it that way, but now that I've gotten some wins under my belt and we're in like seven retail stores, it's like, I right, dude, all right, you're doing it. Let's go. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful journey. And it again, goes back to the, like, just enjoying the small wins, right? As you kind of move along the process rather than kind of worrying about the, the big outcome. But I love the big outcome too, because going back to what we were talking about earlier is like, who will Derek have to become? So I think that's like the beautiful yeah. part of this whole thing. It's like, you know, the, 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 as you move all, move along in the process, it's like you have to continuously step up to like meet that external spell, right? Like you have to show up in that way. Like for Michael Jordan or LeBron James to like be the best player, they've got to show up differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they work the hardest, you know, because they have this crazy goal of being the best ever. Um, and they, they show up differently in that way, right? So I, I love the big outcome for that reason. And I love that you're chasing it in that way because it's continuously like kind of moving you and pulling you rather than you pushing it, you know, it's kind of pulling you that big vision. I think that's a great way to explain it, man. Like if I, when I zoom out and think about like, what am I doing all of this for? Like, I absolutely think that I am going to be one of the greatest of all times. hundred percent. I believe that in my heart of hearts, this is maybe one of the first times I've ever said it out loud because another piece I'm starting to get better at is like, I don't need to be fucking humble, dude. I'm the king. So, um, (laughs) but I'm not after, I know what I'm not after. When I think about when I accomplish everything that I'm setting out to accomplish, which isn't even really defined, dude, like I love to build. I hope that never goes away. But what I want to be able to do is deliver to other people that want to build the insights and the guidance that they need. Like my biggest dream is to be a venture capitalist and and invest in small companies that are trying to make it happen. Like people that have backgrounds similar to myself, like that had to come from a grind and and like a, a not a good background or whatever it is to go and achieve their potential. And I'm looking like I'm effectively just building my resume, not my resume to go work at some corporate job. I'm building my resume that says like, Tej, of course you want to work with me, dude. I'm going to fucking slay it alongside you. And I'm going to give you the tools to go make it happen. Jesse Itzler calls it like build your life resume. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm building my life resume. Like I'm not about, I don't, I'm not going to put this on a piece of paper and send it to people that I want to go work for. This is like, who is Derek? And am I building that resume every day right now? Mm-hmm. in the way I present myself, the way I communicate, how I help people dude. like, I hope one day this becomes unscalable, but like people reach out to me on LinkedIn after like I post a video or, or a writing and they're like, can we chat? Mm-hmm. And like, that's the kind of like small wins, dude. And I don't make any money on that. And, and nor do I ask anyone for money on that because it's like, it fuels me up mm-hmm. to have people that are like, can you help me? I'm like, yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I find those, those kind of like little things fulfill you the most versus any, any sort of monetary value. Right? Oh, like, a million percent, dude. Like those things will, will fulfill you. And that's, that's like, that's a discernment to make in life. You know, at, at, at some given point, um, you, when you start making a good, healthy income uh, and you get to the point where you say, you know, like I'm not fulfilled yet. And then you, you start to venture into those things. Like you mentioned, Derek, like you, you're feeling like there's something missing with your creativity or like you wanted to make something bigger and a grander scale and pulling you more. It's like you start to realize that and it's like taking action on that. That's what I kind of love about your story as you've talked through it is like, it's been about ownership, but then also action, right? You've taken action. And I was asking you that question because a lot of people that have, you know, when you're in the personal growth space and you talk to a lot of people, you meet a lot of people, you can, you, you know, people start to consume, but they don't take action. Right. And I, and I love that about your journey is, you know, along the, the path, you've always you've you've taken action. If you failed, you continued on. Right. Like you picked up and you said, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And that's yeah. such an important skill to have uh, along the path, because as long as you're taking action, you're growing. 
Um, what's always bringing, what's always brought me the most anxiety, even like to this day is when I delay action. Hmm. When I know I need to take action and I sit there and I wait hmm. or I ponder or I overthink that's where I get the biggest level of anxiety because that's, I mean, it's human nature. Like the lack of clarity brings anxiety mm-hmm. and you are the only person that can deliver yourself the clarity that you want. And mm. sometimes it's just by taking action, yeah. right? Like I always go back. I think the easiest example is like leaving a toxic relationship, whether it's like girlfriend, boyfriend, or a friend or a group of friends. It's like, think there's a, there's a podcast called the happiness lab um, that I love listening to. Um, I, I don't even know if she's released season two or whatever it is. It was like an eight episode series, but like it's human nature that your brain can perfectly map out all of the worst case scenario and it feels so real but it's not real like i can like literally dude i can t- like within the last 6 months a year when i think about making decisions in my life it's like my brain tells me like oh so you're going to be homeless in 6 months <laughs> right and it feels so real right like how i can stage that in my mind it's like, all right, Derek, like you've got your runway, but then like, what are you going to do when that runway runs out? Like live in your car with your family. It's like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> like, I don't have a drug problem. I'm, I'm relatively mental state, mentally stable. Like I'm not going to go that route, but still this brain can map out like, no, that's what's going to happen. You're yeah. going to be homeless. <laughs> you're going to be in, you're going to be in soup kitchens. Like you better get your shit together. And that's one of the hardest things to like say shut up to like your own mind and still go make that decision like that's where that's where your life changes when you can take those thoughts of like wow i'm not gonna have any friends i'm not gonna have anyone to talk to i'm gonna be homeless and what happens if i lose my job i won't have anyone to go to and still going to do that that's where you like really put that key in the lock and you're like don't give a shit let's go (laughs) yeah yeah and that that's a good example a good imagery of the key turning (laughs) you have the key yeah yeah. you have it and it's like there's this invisible wall between you that says like don't do it don't do it and that's what separates you that's like why as you look at like and whatever your measure of success is it's not necessarily money like influence whatever pick who you look up to the most that's why there's only one of that person and a million of the people that want to be like them Mm -hmm. because it's that action piece people get paralyzed to make decisions in their life Mm-hmm. because they feel like they're comfortable or like, you know, they want to like hold on to the pole as they reach for the other one. And you can't, that momentum, you can't build it if you're stuck to what you're holding on to. And I think the greatest tragedy is when people realize that it's been 50 years since mm-hmm. they had a good idea and they never went and did it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that time dude goes by so quickly and the time's not waiting for you, dude. Time's not sitting and being like, all right, I'm going to wait for you. It's going to move on. And like Les Brown has a quote. It says the richest place on earth is the cemetery. (laughs) That's where all the ideas that never came to life went Hmm. because people kept them up here and just died with them because they're afraid, man. It's so it's like, it literally almost makes me emotional to think about people that are out there right now that are worth so much, but they're so afraid to put themselves out there or they're so afraid to step up and say what they want to do or say what they're meant to be that they just, fucking sink into the background dude and become the noise Mm. it's like it's it's a tragedy yeah that's so beautiful man i i'm 
I think that's like a great point to come to a close to the conversation is, you know, I always say in my podcast is like 1% better one, take one or two things away. Um, for me, those two things is ownership and action and, and, you know, beautifully displayed in your journey and it continues to be right. Like this is just a, a part of the dot as we talk about connecting the dots, it's right? The dot, <laughs> it's, it's one dot in the journey that you're going to continue to do. So it's like the, the future is bright and it's, there's a lot to explore and, 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 and uncover. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to follow along with your journey, Derek, and see, see how things transpire. And, you know, thank you for, for kind of walking your journey. Obviously there's a lot more in your story and your journey that we could have got into, but we have a finite amount of time. Yeah. Um, but you know, overall, uh, you know, if, if people want to find you, I know you're doing a podcast too with, with Austin Walker. Uh, so, you know, kind of give us a plug for that. You know, if somebody wants to kind of follow along in your journey with, with the podcasting and also the, with Wicked Bold, is there a website people can go to? How can, how can people check you out? Yeah. Um, so Chaco Company is just wickedbold.com. Awesome. As as it sounds, wickedbold.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perpenticity with my with my great partner that I think's been on your show before, Austin Walker. Um, you can find that perpenticity.com. That one's a little bit harder, so I'll spell that one out. P-U-R-P-E-N-T-H-I-C-I-T-Y.com. Uh, we release episodes every two weeks, and it's um, really focused. I love like our little ecosystem that we have because it's the same thing. It's like push forward, you know, get yourself better and better each and every day. Um, and then my personal stuff, Instagram is just Derek underscore Cahill. And maybe you can just put like the way you spell my name because it's crazy. Um, <laughs> and the same thing with LinkedIn, it's just LinkedIn slash Derek Cahill. And what I'd leave everyone with is like, the dots don't always have to be beautiful. Sometimes the dots are going to be shitty. What you have to believe in and trust is that it's shitty for a reason because your next dot needed it to be shitty. Just always look at it like, Hey man, it's a dot. I'm leaving it right here and it's going to help me get better. And your scope and your, your, uh, your vantage point of whatever that situation was naturally has to turn positive hmm. because it's not the end dude. It's just one dot and go make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great place to, to end Derek. Thank you. Thank you for joining in on a Saturday morning. Enjoy, yes, the, rest of your, enjoy the rest of your day and make some chocolate. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Tej. Talk to you soon, man. We'll be right back.